Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio, which is your place to find experts in the world of employment and careers. Now, here on Employment Notebook, we focus on the topics that are vital to success in the workplace specifically. And believe me, the conversation regarding a company's culture and its effects on things like productivity, satisfaction, and overall success, well, it's definitely a popular conversation. In this episode in particular, our guest has some strategies for changing that culture really from within, if that is necessary, instead of waiting for management to make some adjustments that are needed. His name today is Chris Cangelosi. He's managing partner and founder of Gotham Culture. Chris, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. So as I mentioned, uh, obviously culture being a popular topic, one that a lot of people like to discuss, have their own thoughts and ideas. But I wanted to start off by asking you, when you hear the term culture, when you talk about the idea of culture, how do you define it? What's your description? Yeah, sure. You know, the term culture is like one of those terms like love. I mean, everybody thinks they know what it means to them. And and if you ask the 100 people to define it, you'd probably get 100 different answers. To me, bottom line is culture is the way we do things around here. It's the, the norms and habits that we've created over time that have led to our organizational or collective success. And over time, they just become part of our DNA. It's, you know, folks in the organization over time would actually look at you funny if you even thought of doing things different than that. Hmm. Now, do you think that culture in general has more of an impact now than it has, say, 20 years ago? Are we just more aware of it? Where has that sort of taken us from the past to the present? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think it has more of an impact than it did 20 years ago. I think it's always had an impact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Culture really defines everything we do or how we do everything we do. So it's just a matter of, you know, in the last 10 or 20 years, you know, some great researchers and and theorists have really been able to package culture in a way that business leaders can understand. So as opposed to it, you know, in the past being something that was a squishy kumbaya type of a topic, we've had some really great thought leaders that have come before me who've been able to articulate it in ways that business people can wrap their arms around and use as a competitive differentiator. Now, as I mentioned off the top, a lot of times people feel like, well, I can't really do anything about the culture. It is what it is. Uh, management has to you know, worry about that and if they need to change something. But in reading an article that you had come up with, uh, there are ways that you can sort of change that culture from within, as, as I phrased it before. Why do you think people are so hesitant to try to go against the norm or look for different, uh, different ways to do things. Uh, well, just in your experience, what, what's been the issue with trying to change that culture from within? Sure. I, I think in a lot of ways, people fear the unknown. Hmm. You know, sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Sure. So although it might not be perfect today, right? I, you know, some people may not want to venture off into the darkness to see that there might be a brighter way of doing things or a better way of doing things. I think in other organizations, people are genuinely fearful of retribution. Mm. You know, if you step outside the lines, that there may be some negative impact on you. And in many cases, that's actually uh, a, real, a real fear. Sure. Uh, but in many other cases, folks just have the perception that, hey, you know, that's the way we've always done it. Who am I to change it? Uh, and they just feel powerless. And I just, I just disagree. I think people in the workplace have a lot more power than they give themselves credit for in many cases. And there are ways that they can shape their work experience that they may not have thought of before. So in what ways would you say that, you know, let's, let's label them general employees or sort of the general workforce? 
how do they have more power than what they often think? How would you explain their power in a situation like this? At the end of the day, it's the employees in an organization that do the work. They're the ones that get the work done. You know, it's their passion and creativity that has a d- direct impact on delivering what your company's value proposition is. So without the employee base, what is a company, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's power in that. Right? And I, I often think about you know, like great social change leaders, right? Oftentimes, great social change leaders were not the people who were in a position of power, right? They weren't a, uh, necessarily uh, you know, a president or a world leader. These are people who really believe passionately in questioning the way things had always been done. And they were able to draw upon some, some really important skills to be able to align people around their cause through a grassroots method right. in order to drive really significant change. And I look at this situation in the workplace as something very similar, right? So if you're trying to drive change in an organization, but you're not in a position of positional power, it can be difficult, but it's possible. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people just assume that because they're not the CEO, that they their voice really doesn't matter as much. And then I disagree. Well, let's jump into some of the strategies that might be able to work. And because we're not trying to tell anybody to just go in and go completely against the grain. And uh, as you said, you, you can't do that. There will be certain negative consequences to that. But looking at it from a more tactical point of view, from a practical a way of thinking. And one of the items that you had brought up was the idea of providing constructive feedback. And I think people hear that a lot, but they don't necessarily buy it. Um, why do you think that would work? And can you give any examples of, of how that might play out and be effective as far as uh, changing the culture from within? Sure. And, you know, the way I'm thinking about this is, you know, I'm not envisioning um, coup d'etats or any revolutions within companies that <laughs> yeah. buildings burning and things like that. I, I think there's a way to create change in a positive way that doesn't leave people feeling uh, like they've been left in the, in, the, in the wasteland, right? So there's ways to do this that will not only create the change you're looking for, but do it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So providing constructive feedback, and this, this can happen at a variety of levels, right? At the most basic level is the interpersonal level. So if you're a member of a, a work team and things are the way you do it in your company is a way that doesn't really uh, add value or, or doesn't really kind of add to the work experience, it's up to you as an individual to do what you can at your level to influence others. And one way to do that in a constructive way is to provide feedback about how the behavior of others is impacting you or the group. Hmm. Right? There are ways to provide feedback without pointing fingers, without making people defensive. If you don't let people understand the impact of their behaviors on the organization, they may not realize the negative repercussions that their behaviors are having. So providing input, providing feedback is critical. You know, I look at feedback kind of like those rumble strips on the side of the highway, right? I mean, they're not good or bad by themselves. They just tell you when you're about to drive off the road. Right. Uh, and without them, I probably would have crashed my car about 10,000 times. <laughs> so feedback doesn't have to be a bad thing or a scary thing, but it is a necessary thing. So first lesson, stay off the road when Chris Cangelosi is driving, because apparently uh, he needs those those rumble strips. Uh, but secondly, I, I, do, right. I do appreciate your point, though, of uh, the idea that sometimes, and I'll say we don't even know 
how we're affecting someone else with our actions or our words. So I think that uh, I think that's a great piece of uh, of strategy there to bring up that portion of it as opposed to going in like gangbusters, so to speak. Another area that was intriguing to me was this idea of misalignments and acknowledging those. What what do you mean by misalignments and and how does one go about recognizing and acknowledging what's going on there? Sure. You know, I'm a believer that most people come to work wanting to do a good job and wanting to do their best as opposed to, you know, the uh, the opposite theory that people are generally lazy and they're going to do everything they can to get out of doing things that they don't need to do. Now, based on that assumption that I hold to be true, if people are coming to work to do the right thing, then all of the frustrations that we're feeling in the organizational system are because there's misalignments, right? You and I may have a dynamic issue that doesn't work. It's not that we're bad people necessarily, and it's not that we're trying to mess with each other. It's that we have competing interests, our job roles and responsibilities are not clear, et cetera. So a way to kind of create cultural change from within is by engaging in dialogue with as many people as possible to really understand where they're coming from, both personally and professionally, in terms of their job role, and trying to align around whatever you can align around, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not to say that not to say that we're intentionally trying to step on each other's toes, but the way the system has been created over years has created these obstacles for us. So if we can, if we can sit down to the extent possible and understand and appreciate where each other are coming from and understand how our roles impact each other, we're that much further along in terms of having the power to change that, right? And, and in most clients I work with, Management is not intentionally coming to the table saying, hey, you know what? Today, we are not going to listen to our people. And if they have a good idea, darn them, we are not going to do it because we love to mess with them. That's Mm -hmm. not reality, right? right? In most cases, if employees approach it correctly, Hmm. they can advocate for solutions that help not only the company's performance, but help them create culture change from within. Do you then think that's where a lot of the mistakes happen is how an employee might approach it or maybe they feel that nothing's going to happen, so why do it? And what do you see maybe as some of the common mistakes employees make if they want to try to make or help with a culture change from within? Yeah, yeah. And I think in many cases, employees' underlying belief and assumption is, uh, you know what, management doesn't even care what I have to say. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I've told them a hundred times and they've never done anything to change it. And what's happening in those situations is the blame is put on them, right? It's them, them versus us. Mm. And when when we work in culture change in all of our client organizations, what we try to do is create us, right? We're all in this together. So when we solicit feedback from people, we try to get it from everybody, but we don't just, we don't just limit people's participation at the feedback stage, right? As soon as we get the feedback, we set the expectation that everybody is going to have some skin in the game in terms of driving change throughout the organization. And I think that's an area where many business leaders unintentionally drop the ball. Hmm. In many cases, when they collect feedback from their employees, their belief and assumption is that, okay, we've heard the employees, these hundred things need to change, and now we as managers need to change everything. And of course, that's unrealistic. Leaders in today's workplace are way too busy to affect change in hundreds of different areas simultaneously. Sure. So what happens is nothing changes, and over 
over the year, over years, employees begin to say, hey, every year I tell my managers what doesn't work. Every year they don't do anything and they ask me again the next year. And that's just a terrible cycle to be in. So creating the situation where people feed back information, but also have an active role in evolving the organization for the better is a way to not only engage people, but it's a way for people who don't have positional power to have a say and have some voice in how the organization does things. Another area, actually a couple of areas that are somewhat related is the idea of leading by example as well as maybe experimenting a little bit with uh, what might work, testing some processes. Can you give us maybe a, a couple of key points that lie within leading by example and experimenting before, again, maybe presenting something to the organization? And just to give our listeners idea of what they could be doing in the meantime or on a small scale, um, because I do think that those points uh, um, probably are, would be effective for people if they took those steps. Absolutely. I mean, leading by example, that's kind of one of the first things I learned as an officer in the Army, right? People are looking to us, whether we're in positions of leadership or not, people see what we do and what we don't do every day. So, you know, I often think of the the quote from Gandhi, which is actually not exactly what he said, but the quote, the common quote we hear is, be the change you want to see in the world, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to see a certain change, begin to be that change. Act that way. And you'll be surprised how, how you'll be able to influence others. Again, that's not exactly what he said, but that's the common, the common uh, adaptation. Of right. it. So, you know, you have power as an individual employee. If you see things are being done in a way that's not conducive to organizational success or, or employee success, you have a, a right and responsibility to behave differently. Uh, again, we don't need to be lighting things on fire and throwing Molotov cocktails. But there are, there are ways to behave in a positive way that create kind of a grassroots change. And then in terms of experimenting and reflecting, this, this kind of goes to that point, right? Some people may be fearful that if they step out too far on the ledge, mm-hmm. that the organization is going to eject them. And, and for many people, that's a real fear. Sure. I encourage people to experiment, to take baby steps, take small, low-risk chances in terms of behavior change. and see what happens, right? If you're, if you're working in a large, large organization, you can't expect to change culture by yourself overnight. That's just not realistic. But you can have tangible change in the subculture in which you operate. And that subculture may be your direct team of five or 10 people, right? You may operate a system within a system, and you definitely have influence over how that group works together. Well, I appreciate all the information you brought us thus far, and I think we've touched on some uh, very key points. And the last one I wanted to get to was the idea of managing up. And it, it is another term that we've heard a lot in some of our shows. We've, we've done some uh, specific episodes relating to that. When you talk about managing up and how that affects culture, what exactly are you pointing to? What do you see as some ways that individuals could really utilize this strategy for the benefit of everyone in the organization? managing up, I, we've, we've all in our professional lives seen people who are brilliant at this. You know, leadership is not necessarily a position. There are informal leaders throughout every organization mm-hmm. that we've worked in. These are the people who are able to influence others to do things they wouldn't otherwise do on their own. So as an employee, if you're able to effectively manage up, so manage your boss, your boss's boss, 
uh, slowly influence the way they think about things, you can create significantly more change than you could do on your own. So understanding your manager's personal style, how do they like to be communicated with? How don't they like to be communicated with? Speaking their language, right? How, how are they incentivized and how can you position your ideas for change in a way that aligns with the things that are most important to your manager? If your manager sees these thoughts for change as an affront to their person, to their identity, mm-hmm. chances are they're going to shut down on you. But if you can create a, an angle that offers up suggestions for change within your team or your workplace that also align and support your manager's goals and identity, you're going to be much more likely to be able to generate support. And once you have leadership support, you have a huge wealth of momentum behind you to help start to really create some tangible change. Unfortunately, we are getting up against the clock here, Chris, but I did want to give you the opportunity, uh, you know, the last 30 seconds to a minute or so, just give you the floor. Anything you think would be a good takeaway for the listeners uh, about this topic, something you would like to leave them with? Uh, The floor is yours here. Sure. Thanks, Tim. You know, what we haven't talked about in a lot of detail was leaders, right? We've talked a lot about employees and their ability to create change, but leaders don't think you're off the hook. Leaders have a tremendous amount of impact in the way things get done, right? Things that they value, the behaviors that they reward or punish. So, you know, listen to employees, create opportunities to get feedback from your employees, and also monitor your own reactions when you do hear things that you may not agree with. If we ask people for feedback, we have to be willing to hear them out. If we have a a very negative reaction to an employee's idea, you know, those employees, next time you ask, are not gonna contribute in anything, any meaningful way. So listen, seek to understand, and really work together to create the change that you can create in the system you work in. I think that's a fine way to bring this whole topic full circle. And with that, we will close out this edition of Employment Notebook. Once again, we've been talking about the idea of trying to change your company culture a little bit from within, not necessarily from the management side, although our guest today did offer up some last second advice there for those individuals as well. We've been speaking today with Chris Cangelosi, managing partner and founder of Gotham Culture. Chris, thanks again for coming on, sharing your insights with us. We do appreciate it. My pleasure, Tim. And as always, if you're interested in giving us some feedback, offering up suggestions for topics in the future, go ahead and email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. We'd love to hear from you there as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. 